Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider free podcast, a service, of course, of Julie Williams' free VoiceOver Insider. For industry news, tips, and information, be sure to subscribe at www.voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Paul O'Connor, here to introduce our host, Julie Williams. What's coming up on the podcast today? Our guest today, Paul, is James Alberger. Now, James has been an audio guy since he was 12 years old uh, when he taught himself to edit music with, you ready for this, a grease pencil, a pair of scissors, and scotch tape. His experience starts with uh, recording school plays and concerts, uh, moved into radio, and then creating national radio commercials at a top Hollywood recording studio all followed by a 25-year television stint as an audio producer and a director with NBC. Following the television career, James moved into professional voiceover and creative audio video services. He's the author of The Art of Voice Acting, which is now in its fifth edition, and The Voice Actor's Guide to Professional Home Recording. And he's also a co-executive producer of the voice conventions, um, the world's first major international convention for voice actors. And um, he's gained a, a great reputation as one of the top voiceover coaches in the U.S. James, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's so nice being here. Thank you for inviting me. So before we get started, let me ask you, the voice conferences, uh, you didn't have one in 2016. Are they, are they coming back? Well, here's what happened. We started voice in 2007. Actually, it was uh, Penny had the idea in late 2006 uh, to bring the voiceover community together because at that time it was very fragmented and right. there really wasn't any kind of a coherent uh, unity in the voiceover community. And so Penny came into me, my office one day and said, you know, even plumbers have conventions. You know, we should have one for, for the voiceover people. And uh, we, that's where voice actually started. And we did the first one, of course, in March of 2007. And uh, it was such a hit that we kept going into 2008. And when we did 2008, we discovered that it took more than a year to put everything together to really do it on the scale we wanted. So that's when we went into a two-year cycle and did 2010, 2012, 2014. And by the time we did the 2014 convention, there were probably another six or eight conferences for voiceover that yeah. had popped up. Um, it seemed like everybody and their brother decided they were going to do a, a quote, voiceover conference. And we felt that the marketplace was just really being diluted. And there were other groups that were out there that focused on things that we couldn't do with what we were, the way we structured voice. So we, at the time, uh, decided that we were just going to put voice on, on hiatus for a while and let the, let the other groups do what they needed to do. We had achieved our goal. Our goal was to bring the voiceover community together, and we did that. Yes. Uh, we did it for five conventions. In a good uh, way in a big, big way, hugely successful, and uh, has pretty much established our names in the voiceover world, uh, which was not really a, one of our goals, but you know, it was a side effect of bringing the community together. So that was, uh, that was really nice, and, you know, and we did what we had set out to do. As far as the future of voice, uh, as I said, we put it on, on hiatus, and, and then about a year and a half later, Penny decided she was gonna retire from voiceover. Mm -hmm. so, she stepped out of the voice acting academy. She stepped away from voice, uh, voiceover pretty much entirely. She still does a few things, and uh, we're still in touch on a regular basis, but she's not active in voiceover at the moment. Yeah. That might change. I don't know if she'll come back, but she and her husband are just, you know, they decided they wanted to be 
uh, big grandparents and they're both retired and so they wanted to move into that for a while. Yeah, time to have fun. Absolutely. Hey, you know, they're entitled. Mm -hmm. So um, for the last couple of years, I've been kind of bouncing around some ideas of where, uh, where I could take voice and what I could do with it. And uh, I'm in the process of exploring some options. Uh, when, and I'm going to say when voice returns, because I don't think it's an if, I think it's a when. Mm -hmm. Most likely, I'm, right now I'm targeting for sometime in late 2018. So we're still about, you know, almost two years away. Um, but it's going to take that long to really do what I want to do and to get all the pieces put together. Um, but when I relaunch voice, it's going to be something completely different from what anybody else is doing. Um, that's what we did when we launched voice initially. And when we do the relaunch, that's the intention. Mm -hmm. So I can't reveal a lot about it because I don't know a lot yet. And well, plus it's proprietary information. It's proprietary. Yes. You know, yeah. it's, you know, I don't want to, I just wanted to know if it was coming back because I mean, I've, I've been there except for the first one. I've been to every one yeah. and you know, it's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you. The plan is to bring it back in a, in a bigger and better in a different way. Exactly what shape that takes that remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, I, I am definitely planning on doing something with it and bringing it back uh, probably in 2018. Um, let's talk a little bit about audio production since that's where you started, audio production and, uh, and home studios. These days, you, you kind of have to have a home studio no matter who you are in order to work in voiceover. But some people are starting on a real budget and I know you can put together in a studio in a budget, but can you put together a good studio on a small budget? Absolutely, absolutely. You can do a very good sounding home studio for not including the computer, but you can put everything together for, for under $500 easily, even with a good microphone. A couple of years ago, you couldn't because the microphone alone would cost you about 250 bucks. But um, I've come across a microphone. In fact, I've helped evaluate a series of microphones for a Vocal Booth to Go, which is a company that I'm uh, representing. And uh, when Vocal Booth to Go was designing their carry-on vocal booth, which you can get through voiceacting.com, I helped design that thing. And there are so many advantages to the carry-on vocal booth over anything else that's out there. It puts it in a league of its own. By carry-on, you mean you can take it on the plane? Is that what you mean by carry-on? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, for example, the, the carry-on vocal booth is uh, it's about 24 inches wide, 22, 24 inches wide. I forget the exact dimensions. But it's in a ripstop uh, nylon zippered case. Folds flat. It's about three, maybe about three, three and a half inches thick when it's uh, in its collapsed form. There's lots of space actually inside. So pretty much your microphone, USB interface, anything that you need to go with the booth to actually make it a functional studio on the road can actually be packaged and housed inside mm -hmm. it when it's being carried. That whole thing when you bring it in, it can be put up on a, on a desk in a hotel room, unzipped, set up, ready to go within about 30 seconds. Quick and fast. When it's carried onto a plane, they'll probably, the, the aircraft people will probably put it in the garment bag closet, but it's totally carry-on capable. And it's called Vocal Booth to Go? It's called the Carry-On Vocal Booth by Vocal Booth to Go. And uh, if you go to voiceacting.com slash COVB, you can 
read all about it. And one of the things that goes with the carry-on, it's an option for the carry-on vocal booth, is a little microphone called that they call it the VBM-S or the VBM-90S. And it's a short shotgun. It's about six inches long, condenser microphone, so it does require a phantom power or a USB interface with phantom power. It does not have a battery compartment, so it requires the external phantom. But this little microphone sells for $87. And I AB'd this microphone. I, I looked at a lot of different microphones uh, when I was working with Vocal Booth to go. They wanted to do a bundle, make the whole thing a self-contained package. And they wanted to include a microphone with that. And the owner of the company spent probably a month in China looking at, the, at several different microphone manufacturers. And just to kind of let you in on a little secret, the majority of microphones that are sold in the U.S. are actually made in Shanghai. Uh, there are a handful of companies that do manufacture exclusively in the U.S., but uh, the majority are made overseas. Anyhow, uh, he sent me about six or eight different microphones for me to evaluate anything from the small uh, six-inch shot, uh, mini shotgun, short shotgun, up to the large diaphragm condensers like uh, some of the larger uh, MXLs and those sort of microphones. Mm -hmm. And I did an evaluation across the board on all of those and compared them with one another, compared them with some of the other standards in the industry, like the Sennheiser 416 is one of the main standards in voiceover. And I compared them in a variety of ways, uh, noise floor, frequency response, the way they handled voice uh, recordings. And this little microphone that has since become known as the VBM90S uh, when I compare that with a Sennheiser 416, I can put the two side by side on the same talent, record the same voice track. I can do a split track recording. And when we play it back, I'll challenge anybody to tell the difference between those two microphones. They are so close. Okay, uh, you say this is a condenser microphone. Can you explain what that means? Oh, sure. There are two basic types of microphones. There's dynamic microphones and condensers. And actually, there are probably another half dozen different designs that we don't want to know about because they're not viable for what we do in voiceover. Dynamic microphones work like a loudspeaker in reverse. The sound waves from a voice strikes the diaphragm. The diaphragm of the microphone is attached to a cylinder wrapped in copper wire, which is around a, a permanent magnet. When the diaphragm moves back and forth, it changes the electromagnetic field, which sends a voltage down the wires, which is a duplication of the acoustic energy striking the diaphragm doesn't require any kind of external power. Now, a condenser microphone is a completely different design. And a condenser microphone has two surfaces inside the mic. The front surface is technically called the diaphragm. And that surface is usually a little plastic disc, just to keep it simple. And that disc is mounted in such a way that it can move back and forth. So that's going to move. Behind that is a permanently mounted stationary disc. And that stationary disc has one wire attached to it. The movable, the front disc, the diaphragm has a wire attached to it. So what's going to happen is when those two discs move back and forth, it's going to change the electromagnetic magnetic properties between those two discs. There's no magnet in there. It's just how the relationship between those, those two discs uh, are going to move back and forth, and that changes the electromagnetic properties. In order for that to happen, though, there has to be an electrical charge present that can be changed. That's where phantom power comes in. Phantom power is an external voltage that is applied to those two surfaces in the microphone 
so that as one surface changes its position, the electromagnetic property between those two surfaces changes, which creates the electrical energy that duplicates the acoustic uh, movement that was coming in and striking the diaphragm. Hopefully I didn't lose anybody because there's, there's a lot more to it, but that kind of puts it into a, a real basic description that hopefully people can understand. We're talking to James Alberger of voiceacting.com and we'll be right back. All right, we'll be right back after this short message. Julie Williams has been a voiceover coach for decades and has helped thousands of talents to launch a VO career, refine their VO performance skills, develop winning demos and marketing plans and market themselves in voiceover. She's taught all levels from beginners to voiceover coaches. But don't take our word for it. Let's hear what some of Julie's actual students have to say. Canopy Egyptian cotton sheets are designed to get softer every time you wash them, which makes your bed easier to sleep in and that much harder to leave. Why do people count on SunSweet prune juice to stay fit on the inside? It's made only from prunes, nothing else. It's a natural source of fiber and five essential vitamins. It's the smart choice for me. Stay fit on the inside. Healthy looking skin today, clearer skin tomorrow. Look at your palm and imagine it filled with soup. Oh, that's hot. Whew. Let's try a salad. Dentine Ice gets you to parties fashionably fresh. Roasted, baked, lightly sautéed, or even still alive. Turkey gobbles frantically. Just remember, eat healthy and exercise. Or buy bigger undies. Your choice. The University of Nebraska Medical Center. Breakthroughs for life. For some, it means lying on a tropical beach. I've been a successful full-time voiceover artist for a long time now, and I've had other well-known coaches, but really, none can compare to Julie. What I love about Julie's coaching is she gets down to the nitty-gritty right away. No time wasted with abstract coaching techniques that can be hard to grasp and really ultimately don't improve the process. Now, Julie and I would be considered direct competition, but that hasn't changed a thing. She's there to help me and give me her best, which I've truly appreciated. She really cares about you as a person, which makes the coaching process so enjoyable. No intimidation, just encouragement. She's also exceptional with demo directing. And in very short order, I had a great variety of reads to include on two demos, which are working great for me, by the way. Julie will help you with all aspects of the voiceover business. Highly recommended. Julie isn't just a teacher who teaches during your time together. She's a coach who guides you through every step of your career according to your specific needs. You can find out more about Julie Williams Coaching at juliewilliamscoaches.com or by emailing her directly at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. And now, a few final words from Julie and her guest. Thanks for joining us on the VoiceOver Insider Podcast. Our guest today is uh, James Alberger of voiceacting.com, editor extraordinaire, not just editor, but studio person. (laughs) You just heard the explanation of the microphone, which actually got a little bit beyond me, I must confess. I do have a question, though, that I was thinking when you were talking about dynamic and, and condenser microphones. Does directionality vary between the two? The directionality or the pickup pattern of the microphone has more to do with the way the microphone is designed. It's not going to make any difference whether it's a dynamic microphone or a condenser microphone as to how the the basic pickup pattern. There are probably four or five common pickup patterns. The the most common is what's called the cardioid or heart-shaped pickup pattern. And most of the professional microphones are cardioid microphones. And that means that when you are speaking into the front of the diaphragm, 
that's when you're considered to be totally on axis of the microphone. As you move off axis from that direct position in front of the microphone, you move off to the side, the sound of your voice, the volume or the loudness is going to be reduced as you begin to go around towards the back. And at the back of the microphone, directly opposite the front, it's what's called a null point. And at that null point, you're almost, your voice is almost going to disappear. In traveling, you may have a to-go booth with right. you, but you're still in a hotel room or wherever. Right. Um, is there a certain directionality that is a better mic to use for travel as opposed to maybe in our own studios? A cardioid microphone is normally going to be the best option for almost everything in voiceover because it does have that directional property to it. Uh, the, the, the omnidirectional microphone, which has an equal pickup in all directions, that's going to be susceptible to a lot more noise. So I do not recommend an omni microphone. Mm-hmm. A cardioid's always going to be preferable. If you really want to have a focused pickup on your microphone, then you need to get a shotgun microphone. Okay. And a shotgun microphone like the Sennheiser 416, which is commonly the standard of the industry, has it's about 16 inches long and it's got a whole bunch of slots along the side. Well, all those slots along the side correspond to different frequencies and those are like the one hole in the back of a normal cardioid. But there's a whole bunch of holes which correspond to different frequencies. What happens is different frequencies come in at each of those different slots, which gives the microphone a very tight pickup pattern. A shotgun microphone is really a super highly focused cardioid microphone. That'll give you a tight pickup pattern and will eliminate or minimize the amount of sound coming in from the sides. When you're in a hotel room, you're basically in a big box that's going to have reflected sounds bouncing all over the place. So the biggest challenge is how are you going to minimize those reflected sounds? One way to do that is to actually work inside an acoustically treated space. So what a lot of people will do when they're traveling is they'll build a pillow fort and they'll, mm-hmm. you know, they'll put themselves inside the pillows. Like Pat Friendly says, you put the comforter over your head. Exactly. You throw the comforter, the, you know, the... Been there, done that. And it works. It's not incredibly comfortable or easy to work with because it can get really dark underneath the comforter. That's right. A headlamp is, is needed. Yeah, a headlight, you know, you know, forehead light or a flashlight, you kind of need that. But that puts you in an acoustically treated space, which is going to kill the reflections or at least minimize the reflections. When you're doing that with pillows or with a comforter, what often happens is those things are not designed for acoustical treatment. So your frequency response of your voice as it's being recorded in the mic can be affected and you can come out sounding too bassy, too muffled, simply because of the the kind of space that you're in. Getting back to the carry-on vocal booth, this is one of the things that when we were designing it, uh, we took that into consideration was, okay, how can we be in a hotel room and have a functional recording space that's going to really sound good. With the carry-on booth, when it's opened up, it's 24 by 24 by almost 27 inches, or 20, yeah, 24 inches. It uses producer's choice sound blankets, so the blankets absorb, they don't just uh, diffuse sound. The pyramid foam usually diffuses sound. It has some absorptive properties, but it mostly is designed to diffuse. The, the carry-on vocal booth is of sound absorbent, and you're actually working inside of the space. So the the top of the booth is actually over your head. So your mouth is inside the space, where same place where the microphone is. Right. Virtually every other booth that's out there, you as the performer are working outside of the recording space. The microphone is acoustically protected, but you're not. 
So mm -hmm. the sound waves coming out of your mouth are still bouncing around in that room, and some of those are still going to come into the microphone. Right. Uh, with the carry-on vocal booth, you're inside the space, so the majority of your voice is either focused into the mic or being absorbed by the blankets and is not being bounced around in the room. It's a radically different sound that you get from the carry-on vocal booth versus uh, just about any of the others on the market. So in our last two to three minutes, tell us about your book, The Art of Voice Acting, that's in its fifth printing now. Oh, I'd love to. I started that in 1998, if you can believe wow. it. Wow. Uh, it was the year that my last year with NBC here in San Diego, and I was teaching classes locally for learning annex, and I wanted to do some notes for my learning annex class, and the notes just kind of took on a life of their own, and it kept going and going, and, and eventually built into the book, and I, I found a publisher that was interested, and they picked it up, and I've been with them ever since. Uh, the first edition was, I think, 235 pages. It's on a four-year cycle. So about every four years, I completely update the book. New content, I take old stuff out, put new stuff in, uh, change out all the scripts, change out most of the recordings that go with it. Uh, major overhaul on every new edition. Over the five editions, the current edition is about 500 pages. Wow. I just found out a few months ago that the fourth edition is going to be published in Chinese at the end of this year. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. It's very cool. I can hardly wait to see the book. So I, um, do people get this book at voiceacting.com? Yes, you can get, get it through voiceacting.com. You can get it through Amazon. Mm -hmm. Any bookstore has it. It's on Ingram, so it's on the, the whole system out there. Any bookstore can pick it up. If you get it through voiceacting.com, you get my autograph on it. Some people like that. Some, some people it doesn't care. But hey, you know, you can't get an autograph anyplace else. That's right. But uh, I'm already putting out inquiries and looking for updated content for the sixth edition. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm expecting that probably sometime later this year, I'll get a, a request from the publisher for the sixth edition. Because um, it depends on how, how the book is selling, how their, how their marketplace is working. But about the end of the third year in the cycle, I usually get a call from the publisher and say, okay, well, you want to do another edition? And I always say yes, because the industry does change a lot. A lot of the book is focused on just on performance techniques. Mm -hmm. And those don't change a whole lot. But some of the other things do. Some of the aspects of the business change. So I try to cover those. And I try to get some of the major people in the voiceover world to contribute. And I've had just some wonderful contributors. Sure, to I contributed to uh, one of them. But one of the editions, I don't remember which one. You were in there, uh, Pat Fraley's, Bob Bergen, MJ Lalo. I mean, do you name somebody in, in voiceover and they have probably either been in the book or they're on the list you know, for a future edition. We've been talking with James Allberger, author of The Art of Voice Acting. That's the book that we're talking about, The Art of Voice Acting audio expert. And I know that you've learned a lot through this podcast. I know I have, uh, even to the point where it went over my head. <laughs> you exceeded <laughs> my capacity. But thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to having you again on a future podcast. Oh, I love it. This, is, this has been great. We're glad you were able to join us today. Feel free to email Julie with any questions at julie at juliewilliamscoaches.com. We'd like to thank our editor, Morning Joy Lynn, who can be reached at morningjoy at voeditor.com. And of course, thank you for listening. Till next time, I'm Paul O'Connor, along with Julie Williams, wishing you prosperity in all you do.